Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Awesome. Why don't we stand together? We're going to pray. Shake off the dust and the cobwebs. Here we go. All right. No, we don't have that many. All right. So, Father, we thank you for your word today, God. We just thank you, Lord, that it speaks to us and changes us challenges us and encourages us. We want to give you glory and praise. We ask that your spirit would speak to us today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So, so we are like seven weeks into this prayer uh, series. And it's hard to shut down prayer because there's so much the Word of God says on the topic of prayer. And so today we're, we're on part seven, the prayer of praise and thanksgiving part two. So we started on Praise and Thanksgiving last week. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, we're going to jump right into the scripture today, is our key scripture for the series, saying, praying always with all prayer. So how often do we pray? Always. With all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints, okay? So some translations say all kinds of prayer. So there's different types of prayer. There's different laws uh, that you have to abide by for each different type of prayer. And we're looking at that, and the, the ones we've covered so far, we'll go to our slide here, the different kinds of prayer. We talked about the prayer of supplication. So the prayer of supplication is heartfelt request, fervent, okay? There's fervency in that, for needs and wants, and it's, it's uh, progressive tense. You're, you keep asking, you keep knocking, you keep seeking. And so you're, you're pursuing God with supplications. How many have ever supplicated? Let me see your hand here, okay? We've all done that. The next one is the prayer of intercession. So intercession is standing in the gap for another. And so we're called as a church to pray for those who do not know Christ, who have not come to the knowledge of Christ. So we intercede, we pray on behalf of them. The next one is the prayer of dedication. This is the only prayer, the law, that says, if it be thy will. It's the only time you can pray that, if it be thy will, and still be in faith, right? Because the prayer of dedication is putting your life on the altar and saying, not my will, but your will be done, okay? The next prayer is just prayer. That word prayer in the Hebrew means making requests, conversation, and giving of thanks. And last week and today I'm talking on the prayer of praise. Now, praise is a choice. It's not based on our feeling. It's not based on situations. Uh, And many times it's sacrificial. We do it as a sacrifice. And then prayer of faith, prayer of agreement, prayer in the Spirit, we're going to cover in the next few weeks. All right? So, a little quick review on the prayer of praise. If you didn't catch last week, This is what we learned from last Sunday. We'll go to the next slide. Praise releases the glory of God. So the glory of God is the very weight of his presence comes into a situation when you praise the Lord. When they were in the temple, dedicating the temple, they were singing all the musicians together and the voices were raised saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. I want you to say it with me. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And as they were shouting that and as they were singing and as the instruments were raised, the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests were not able to stand. They laid down on the floor in the presence of God. 
And so I want to encourage you, if you're going through a battle and things seem rough, begin to praise the Lord. It gives access to the glory of God. Number two, praise sets an ambush against your enemy. When you choose to praise the Lord, God sends an ambush against your enemy. If you want to see all the scriptural reverence, you have to listen to last week's message. Praise releases the blessing of God. These are the three things we learned. The spiritual law of prayer of praise is this. The prayer of praise is often a sacrifice. It's a choice. It's not determined on how you feel. It's not determined on your situation. And praise causes you to focus on the answer to your issue, which is God and his goodness and his mercy, instead of focusing on the problem, right? So sometimes we look at the problems and we talk to God about the problems, but we need to be focusing on the answer to the problem, which is God, right? So in supplication, the prayer of supplication, we tell God about all our problems, but in the prayer of praise and thanksgiving, we are telling our problems about our God. That's the difference. And so we need to be supplicating and telling God, hey, Lord, I'm going through tough times. These are difficult times. And uh, we see that in the Psalms, the psalmist, David. Lord, I'm going through tough times, and my enemies are coming against me, and my best friends have deserted me. But, Lord, you are my rock, and you are my salvation. You are the one who's going to fix the problem. So we see supplication, and we see praise working together. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, says, Therefore, by him... Let us continually, say continually, offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So, sacrifice is an act of offering to a deity something that's precious, right? You're giving God your best. What is precious to the Lord? The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. It's precious to God, all right? How many here are parents, right? How many know as a parent, I've experienced this, when your kids come to you and say, thank you, Dad, thank you, Mom, for this new bike, or thank you for being great parents, or thank you, thank you, thank you, it causes your heart to well up, and what do you want to do? You want to give more. You want to bless more, right? Well, I got news for you. God is not just a force. God is a person, has feelings. So when we come to God and we grumble and complain all the time, do you think he wants to give us more, right? If your natural kids come and, wow, you know, I don't have this and Johnny has this and you don't give me anything and blah, blah, you'd be like, and you're not getting anything either. But if they come and say, you know, I want to thank you. I know you don't have much and I know you're struggling and you're working two jobs to make ends meet and we're single family and blah, blah, blah. But I thank you for being such a good parent and thank you for encouraging me. You're like, I want to give the world to this kid, Right? And it's the same way with God. When we come with thankful hearts of praise and thanksgiving, God just can't help but open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing. That's our God. That's the God that we serve. And, and you know, and praise causes you, again, to focus on the answer uh, to, to your issues, which is God, his goodness, and his mercy. Because so many times we get focused on the problem. We have to be saying, God, listen, problem, I want to introduce you to my God. He's good, and he's able to defeat you. And that's what praise is. It's powerful, okay? And um, in the Old Testament, we understand that sacrifice meant that they would offer their best lamb or their best cow or their, the first fruits. 
The lamb that was like, this is the, the lamb without spot or wrinkle. It's perfect. It's, you know, dimensions are perfect. It's healthy. There's no issues with this lamb. And this lamb could produce more lambs just like it if I kept it. But you know what? I'm going to sacrifice it to the Lord. And now we don't do that in the, in, in, you know, in the New Testament. We don't sacrifice animals. But back then, they would give the best of what they had. And the best that we can give is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. It's precious. It's a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. When you choose to be thankful in all circumstances, it blesses the Lord. Amen? And so Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing. This is so encouraging because that means as a believer, you can get a pla- to a place in your faith where you're not anxious for anything. I want to be there. How many want to be in that place? But in everything by prayer and supplication, let's say the word together, with let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All right? But you don't understand, Pastor. I'm going through a tough time. You don't understand. I don't have any peace. You don't understand. I'm under attack. Right? You know what the, mo- the most, the question I hear the most when people come for prayer is uh, they say, you know, what is the will of God for my life? I need you to pray with me. I need you to pray with me. I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I don't know if I'm supposed to go to this college. I don't know if I'm supposed to marry this guy. I don't know if I'm supposed to get a job over here or do this or do that. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't have direction. I don't know the will of God for my life. But you know what I've learned is that it's not as much directional, where I go, what I do, who I'm with, as it is about having a healthy soul. And I I learned this, and I, I share this with people now, what the will of God is, we see it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Like, I don't know what school you should go to, and I don't know who you should marry. I don't know how to deal with this certain directional issue in your life, but I do know the will of God. He wants you to be thankful in all circumstances. Amen? This is the will of God. Let's look at another one. 1 Peter 2.15, it is God's will that you, your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. So we know God wants us to be thankful, and he wants us to be people of honor and integrity. God's will for you is to have honor and integrity. The next one, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 to 6, God's will is for you to be holy. That means set apart, different from the world. God's desire is for you to be holy, to stay away from all, say all, sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. So God's will for your life is that you're thankful, you're honorable, and that you're holy. Let's say it together. God's will for my life is to be thankful, to be honorable, and to be holy. That's God's will. Where you go, who you marry... Where you live is not that important. This is the will of God. It has to do with your soul, your spirit. Does that make sense? And if you're talking about knowing God's direction for your life, that's a completely different thing. And, you know, when you're wondering, like, who should I marry? Where should I live? What should I do? Where's God calling me? Where should I go to church? 
And some people are always waiting for direction before they make a move. You know, I knew a guy, he was a, a pastor, and he said, God's called me to start a church. Well, 10 years later, did you start the church? No, I'm waiting on the Lord. He hasn't told me where to start a church. He hasn't told me when. Yeah, but he told you to start a church. Start a church. Well, I'm waiting for him to t- give me direction. 20, 20 years goes by. Another 10 years. Did you start your church? No, I'm still waiting on the Lord. And, and you know, that's, that's where, where we get stuck. Well, I, I can't make a move. I don't know if I should go to this school. I don't know if I should live here or go to this church. So I'm just waiting on God to give me direction. Well, I got a word of the Lord for you. Move. Move. Have a five-year plan. Have a 10-year plan. Make plans. Okay? And this is a, the verse that really set me free in Proverbs 19.21. A man makes his plans in his heart, then the Lord directs his steps. And so make plans for your future. It's not that difficult. Trust your heart. Who lives in your heart? The Lord, the Spirit of God is in your heart, and He's put desires there. So if you have a desire to work on cars and you love working on cars, chances are you don't have to pray and say, Lord, am I called to be a lawyer? Because you, fi- you, you want to work on cars, so, that's, so go and work on cars, right? Follow your heart. Make plans for your life. Don't always wait on God for direction. Just make plans. A man makes his plans in his heart, and the Lord directs his steps. And the reason why I share that is so many times people, they get stuck, and they don't make decisions because they're waiting on God to talk to them. And I want to say this because we are the children of God, but we're supposed to be adult children, right? And so, it's not cool if you have a 30-year-old son or daughter come to you and say, Dad, Mom, can I have your permission to buy a house? Would you be okay if I get a bungalow instead of a two? You'd be like, make up your own mind. You're an adult, right? It just, it, it'd be foolish because as a parent, you're there for adult children, for counsel, for guidance, uh, to give your opinion. But you're not making decisions for your adult children. You know, i got to tell this story. I'm sorry, son. Uh, <laughs> My son came up last weekend and uh, said, Dad, I'm watching TV on the couch. Would it be okay if I go to my friend's house for the weekend? And I looked at him and said, son, you're 19, you're in college, you have your own car. You, you don't have to ask permission to go to your friend's house. <laughs> Those days are past, right? But there's a transition. How many hear what I'm saying? There's a transition where God is expecting you to make your plans, to direct your life, and then he will guide you as you make your plans. All right? Does that make sense? So how does God direct my path? And so this was an analogy that I heard that has helped me for years. There's a traffic light inside your spirit. Okay, how many know when you go up to a traffic light, you have three colors? What colors are they? Red, yellow, and green. So the red light means stop, do not proceed. And sometimes you're, you, so you make your plans and you start moving in a certain direction and you feel like a red light. Don't go there. And how many have ever had that happen? That 90% of the time, God speaks with the traffic light system. I call it the peace meter inside your, inside your soul. And you get a red light. Don't go there. How many have gone there anyway? All right. And found out it's not a good idea, right? And then other times you get a yellow light, which means proceed with caution. You know, there's people involved that you got to be cautious, but, but you feel kind of move forward. And so you do. But you're cautious. And other times you just get a green light. Go for it. You're like, 
Yes, you just feel at peace. I'm supposed to go to Crossroads Church. It's an awesome church. And you come, right? Because you have peace. It's a green light. And so we always have this traffic light system working in us. And I see this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And it basically says that peace is the boss. It says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be, what's that word? Thankful. Right? And so I'm trying to help my, my children understand the, that, that importance of just make your plans and, and the Lord will direct your steps. And so my daughter Hannah, she's, uh, just so you know, she, uh, I got a son who is so honest and honoring that he asks if he's allowed to go out when he's 19. That's great. How many would love 19-year-olds like that? Okay, a couple of you. And then I got my other son, or my other daughter, Hannah. She's going, she's going to be a missionary. She wants to go on missions. Did I say something wrong? Oh, daughter. Daughter. Uh, she's going on a missionary trip uh, for a good part of a year. And um, she's praying about which one to go on, and she's praying, and she's fasting and seeking the Lord. And she's not getting an answer of where to go. There's, she's got all these different options. So she says, well, I'm going to just make my own plans in my heart. So she goes ahead, and she goes, I'm going to fill out the application. I'm just going to move in this thing and then let God lead me. So she's filling out the application. And as she's filling out the application, she either got a text from, was it a text or a phone call? Yeah, she got a text from, from, from her mother saying, oh, I just got a phone call from uh, someone in Kingston who wants to donate towards your mission trip. And she was just signing it. She was just filling out the application. And she said, that was like the green light saying, you're on the right path. It was right when she was filling out the application. Someone's donating towards her mission trip. And then she had the green light to move ahead. Isn't that awesome? But she didn't wait. She started making the plans in her heart. All right? And so God confirms with peace. Amen? Now, I wanted to take a few minutes to look at Daniel. We look at Daniel, chapter 6, verse 1 to 5. Uh, Daniel, as you know, was going to be thrown into the lion's den. And I want to give you the walk-up to what was happening there. So I'm just going to read to you. You guys just listen. So Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So Daniel had favor. He had the spirit of excellence on his life. And so the king was going to promote him, okay? Verse 4, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. He was in the will of God. Okay? He was faithful, he was responsible, and he was trustworthy. Remember, we talked about integrity. So they concluded the only chance of finding grounds to accuse Daniel is will have to be connected to the rules of his religion. And so all of these leaders now, they're jealous of Daniel because he's getting promoted, and they're like, we're going to destroy his life. They conspired against Daniel. So then the administrators and the high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius, 
We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, and high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will strictly be enforced, giving orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue the sign, this law, that it cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the law. His fellow administrators and high officers conspired against him. Now, I want you to imagine that in your workplace, everyone you're working with conspires in secret against you, not only to take your job from you, but to throw you to the den of lions. Like, your life is going to be taken from you. You would have reason to be bitter and angry, wouldn't you? They envied Daniel's favor with the king. And Daniel 6.10 says, Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed... He probably was in the room when they were talking. He heard it all. He went home, and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed and, what's that word? Gave thanks before his God, okay? As was his custom since early days. He prayed and gave thanks. See, he wasn't giving thanks for the circumstance. He was giving God thanks in the circumstance. And it was a custom that he had since early days. And I think that we should have a custom, we should have a routine every day to pray and to give God thanks. Despite what you're going through, despite who's conspiring against you, you make a decision in your heart. I'm going to pray and I'm going to give thanks to God. I'm going to praise him every day. So Daniel, again, he was caught by, they were spying on him, and there he is, window open, praying. So the officers come, and they throw him in the lion's den. The king is so upset when he understands what's happening, he goes into fasting, and he doesn't sleep the whole night. And then King Darius comes in the morning, and he says, Daniel, are you okay? Did God deliver you from the mouth of the lion? And Daniel cried out and said, the Lord has sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lion. Isn't that good news? Daniel chapter 6, verse 23. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no injury, whatever, was found on him because he believed in his God. Isn't that good? So he had an opportunity to be bitter, but instead he thanked God. And he praised the Lord in the midst of the attack. If we, if we create a custom of prayer and thanksgiving, it'll build faith in our lives so that we can stand against the lions that come to, dis to destroy our lives. That's what our God will do for us. And so in finishing up with this uh, series here on different types of praise, I said there's seven types of praise in the Hebrew. So we're going to look at them. We'll bring up our slides. The first one is halal, okay? And, and here's the thing is we don't understand how deep the Hebrew is because an English word usually has one meaning, maybe two meanings, but the Hebrew has, is such a deep language. And so the first one is halal, means to jump, to dance, to be loud, and to be clamorous. That's what it means. Halal is, is, is most commonly, it's a common word for praise. The word simply means to boast, to brag, to rave about God even to the point of appearing foolish. And, 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 you know, I've had people say, like, 
well, you know, your church is a little wild because they lift their hands and they get excited during the worship and all that. And I, I like reserved British church, you know. Well, and that's fine if you do. I'm not criticizing, but you just like it reserved. But I've seen that with the same people who are really reserved go to the hockey game. And they're like, yeah, woo! And they're like, they're, they are halaling all the way to the hockey game, right? It's like, yeah, go, Leafs, go! Or it should be, go, Senators, go, right? No? Can start a war in church, divide the church, right? But they're halal. They're doing some halal at the hockey game, but in church would be very reserved. And that's fine, right? The next one is yada. It means to throw your hands up and forward while making a confession about God. And this really speaks about total surrender, the way a child will come and say, you know, Daddy, pick me up. Mommy, pick me up. I surrender my life to you. That's the word yada. And so we can praise the Lord by throwing our hands up during worship. Okay? The next one is tauda means to lift your hands in thanksgiving. Now, this is the word toda, which actually speaks of, um, uh, you know, hold on a second here. Which, which one are we? We're on toda here. Do I have that in my? I do. Okay, lift your hands in thanksgiving. It's, that's the word that speaks of thanksgiving and praise. Okay? It's actually, it, it, if you read the actual definition from the Hebrew, it's an attitude of gratitude before the answer comes. That's like saying, you know, I came for, for healing. I, I stood in the, the healing line. They prayed for healing. I still feel the same, but thank God I'm under construction by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Father, that you're answering. Your, your word says that pray for the sick and they shall be healed, so I know it's on the way because you're my God, and I just trust you. That's giving God praise before the answer comes. That's toda. That's what it is. Shabak is a loud, joyous shout of testimony. Shabak. So that's when you shout out and you're loud and you're praising the Lord and you're giving a testimony. The next one is zamar. Zamar is, actually means to praise with an instrument. To praise with an instrument. And this is the actual definition. I'm going to read it to you. It is involved with a joyful expression of music. Zamar means to sing praise or to touch or pluck the strings. That's what it means, to pluck the strings. It speaks of involving every available instrument to make music and harmony before the Lord. But it speaks of plucking the strings. We know that Zamar is all through the Psalms because David was a harpist and he would play the harp. He played the strings. And David was a musician. He invented rock music. Did you guys know that? He did. David invented rock music. Uh, There's a scripture here that says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, and Him I will trust. He was singing that rock and roll, right? All right. The next one is barak. It means to kneel in reverence and submission. It's to say, Lord, not my will, but your will. It's a type of praise. The next one is tehillah. It means to sing a spontaneous, unrehearsed song to the Lord from your spirit. So that's why, you know, sometimes we, we're, we're doing worship and the song, the words stop, and then Shelly's still singing. Everyone's like, I don't see the words. Do you see the words? What's she saying? I've, there's no words up there. No, she's singing. She's doing some tehillah. She's singing out of her spirit. And that's when you just start going, oh, we love you, Lord. Thank you. And you just begin to sing out of your spirit. It's called tehillah unrehearsed, just from my heart to God. It's a song from my heart to God. It's called tequila. Not tequila. Tequila. Because you can have 
tequila and sing unrehearsed songs as well, but it's different. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. This is the next one. Hallelujah. The word halal means to boast or to brag on, to make a show even to the point of looking ridiculous, okay? That's halal. And the second word, okay, is the word yah, which is the short form for the name of God, okay? And so hallelujah is spontaneous outcry of one who's excited about God. We see from Psalm 104 and 105, that word is used 24 times where David uses the word hallelujah. In the New Testament, it is only used seven times. It's all in the book of Revelations about God overcoming the one world system and bringing Christ back, and it's hallelujah, hallelujah. When we see things shift politically as God is moving in the nation, we're going to say hallelujah, hallelujah, right? Amen? And so what, what we see, I love, you know, listen to some old-time preachers pre-1990s, and it was like hallelujah, glory to God. And then they say like one, one little verse in the Bible, and then it's like hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, that's what they're saying. They're just saying God is awesome. He's, I'm raving about him. That's what they're saying. Amen? So let's say it together. Hallelujah. That's, that's lame. Let's say it again. Hallelujah. Amen. So praise is worship, and, and, and it moves the hand of God. I'm going to have you come and share your testimony. Can you do that with me? All right. Awesome. And then we're just going we're gonna to praise. So I'll ask you some questions just to make it easier on you, my dear. Okay? So person, so you have to bear with me. <laughs> Amen. So her brother, who's a few years older, right? 21 months. 21 months older. She fell. Here he fell, and he hurt himself, his legs. And what happened? He got infection in his legs, and it spread into his bones. And the doctors said that he would either have to have both legs amputated or have stints put in his legs. They put the stints in his legs, and we all prayed, and they worked. About a week or two later, he ended up with a bleed from his rectum because of all the medications and whatever. And my niece, who was a nurse in the hospital, was with him and was holding him, and he died. For four minutes, she held him, and he died. And so what happened when he died? Where, where was Anita and Peter? Anita and, uh, Anita and Peter were at my house visiting me, and I was telling them the story about my brother, and we prayed. And it was about that time that he died. And he came back to life. He gulped, and he started breathing again. Amen. The, the bleeding subsided. But a couple of days later, it came back, and my niece got in touch with me and said, we need to pray again. So we prayed again. Thursday, just past Thursday, my brother walked out of the hospital. That's not good. The, the doctors and the nurses call him the amazing... Um, Miracle man, the amazing miracle man. Isn't that good? And he went to a special care home to be with his wife, which he hadn't seen for 85 days because they wouldn't allow anyone in the hospital because of COVID. So they are united. My prayer for everyone today is pray for those doctors and nurses and 
technicians in that hospital that they will want a relationship with the God that my brother has. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Awesome. That was great. You know, she was sharing that story. We were going to save it for next week because I wanted Pastor Peter to hear it. Because you guys, at the same time you were visiting and praying, he came back to life. And so isn't that awesome? Like, God is a God of miracles. And, you know, uh, he's good. So we're going to end with a praise song. But before we do that, I just want to take a few minutes. Why, why don't we stand? If you're watching by live stream or you're in this place and you don't know this God that does miracles, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want to surrender your life to Christ and you want a new start, the Bible says can, that if you confess him as Lord, you will be saved. And so with everyone's eye, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes, if there's anyone here, you just want to slip up your hand, just make an acknowledgement. I want to give my heart to Christ today. I want a new start. Just lift up your hand, and we're going to pray with you. All right? Again, if you're, if you're watching by live stream, you can pray this prayer right now. I want to encourage you to do it. Let's open our eyes. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I ask that you'll forgive me, cleanse me, and send your Holy Spirit to live in me and begin to transform me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you pray that and you mean it in your heart, you will be saved. The Bible promises salvation comes by no other name except Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning. 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.